What's up, guys? It's David Hess from the Rising Above podcast. Have you ever thought or dreamed about starting a podcast? Well, look no further. Anchor has all the tools necessary to record a podcast from your computer or phone. You heard that right. They make it so simple. When you host your podcast on Anchor, they will distribute your podcast on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Honestly, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place, which is why I host on Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. On today's episode, I had the privilege of sitting down with Erica Munchback. Erica is a member of our local community here in Lansing, Michigan. Having obstacle after obstacle thrown her way, Erica has still managed to overcome and rise above. See what I did there? Erica is in the process of starting a nonprofit called Jubilee that will have a huge impact on our community. Without giving without me giving it away, I will let you listen to what she has to say. I enjoy this conversation and I hope you do as well. Please remember to follow me on social media and to subscribe on YouTube. And if you have a story or a message that you feel could help other people, then I would love to help you tell it. Please feel free to reach out to me through email or Facebook or Instagram. All right. Welcome to the Rising Above podcast. My name is David Hess, and today I have a special guest with me. Her name is Erica Munchback. Uh, she start, well, she's in the works of starting Jubilee, which is a organization, a uh, nonprofit organization for underprivileged people here in, in our local community. Um, I guess without further ado, I'll have her introduce herself. Hi. Eric, Erica, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to hear it. Yes, I'm Erica, and um, I just got the paperwork back from the state for Jubilee, so it is now an official legal entity, but it's a project that I've been working on for a few years and have big hopes and dreams for. That's awesome. So let, before we talk a little bit about Jubilee, let's uh, kind of go back. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Are you from the Lansing area? Were you born and raised here? Um, I know you live right up the street from me, so. I do live right around the block. Um, or right around the corner, I guess. But I was <laughs> born here, and I went to elementary school in Lansing, and I lived here until 10. And at that point, my mom um, moved us to Sunfield, which is about 30 miles west of Lansing. And I went to elementary school in Sunfield, and I graduated from high school in Lake Odessa from Lakewood High School, and then promptly moved back to Lansing. There wasn't a whole lot of career opportunities, and well, there are parts of the country rural lifestyle that I like, like I had a horse as a teenager. I absolutely loved that. I just didn't really feel like that was, you know, really where I belong. I belong in more urban area, so I did move back to Lansing it's, shortly after high school. It's real uh, country country living out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's small. Lake Odessa is kind of bigger, but it's still small. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a nice area, though. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you moved back to Lansing, and then what? Um, and then I, my first big move was I got a job at Sparrow and I worked in Central Sterile Supply, which is a uh, part of surgery there. And I kind of thought maybe I'd move up in the hospital, but then I, I, I did eventually. I worked there for five years and quit with the intentions of going back to school to probably be a veterinarian. Um, that was an interesting journey. I, I had one child at that point. She was two when I quit my job at Sparrow. and. I got really into like molecular biotechnology, so I thought that maybe I'd want to do something with that. But can, can you explain what that is? Because I was I was reading your bio that you <laughs> sent me, so let's let's kind of break that down. Um, you you said you had you you quit to, because you were raising a child. You had your child at 24 years old, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, then you started going to school for uh, biology. What was it again? Uh, so. My uh, focus at MSU, had I gone that route, would have been molecular biology and biochemistry, and then molecular biotechnology is like the, the precursor at LCC. So I learned a lot about like cloning, excuse me, and like um, we actually did some cloning and like some gene manipulation in my classes and that sort of thing. And uh, I think that's still my goal um, at that point if I did go to MSU was still probably to go like to that school and be a veterinarian and um, possibly like with the degree from LCC you can also do things like work in a forensics lab and that sort of stuff so okay the specifics 
<clears throat> the specifics of all that stuff have escaped me <laughs> many years ago. <laughs> so, so it's essentially gene editing and... There's a lot that. of that stuff, wow. yeah. Just uh, biology at the, the molecular level. Wow. That sounds real interesting. Because there's biology at like the organismal level, as far as like you and I were organisms, and then there's mm -hmm. cell biology. There's also like systems biology, and then um, underneath cell biology is molecular biology. There's a lot of stuff going on at the molecular level in our body. So one of my favorite sayings is, if I can remember it correctly, is uh, I might look like I'm doing nothing, but at the cellular level, I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> so. I like that. I might have to steal that. Yes. So you were going to MSU for that, or LCC? Yes. And then what? And then I, um, I had my second child, and I think I was like 29 at that point, and that was just kind of like, you know, I didn't quit right away. I remember when she was 10 days old, taking her to a, or a, a microbiology conference in a stroller <laughs> and in my arms, and it was fun. But just like, I didn't have enough support from the partner that I was with at that point. And overall, like, it just, it didn't work just because like I had to prioritize being a mother mm -hmm. and that sort of thing at that point. So you had to put their needs before your own. Yep. So, um, so how did Jubilee come about? Let's kind of break that down. Let's talk about what happened in your life, um, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. if you don't want to. No, yeah, definitely. It, these are important <laughs> things to talk about. So um, my second child was born when I was 29, and uh, I feel like I put a lot of focus on being a pretty good parent and making them a priority up until that point. And to be very honest, in my early 30s, I just kind of got sick of it. Like, nobody ever put me first, ever. And so I did kind of like, uh, there was somebody that wanted to date me. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I just totally abandoned my kids, really. But I did start to put what I thought I want at that point in time ahead of what was best for them. And I did date that person and got involved in all sorts of uh, things that weren't good for me or them. And... Um, like drugs or trouble? Uh, not a whole lot of trouble, but definitely drugs and just like around people that didn't have the same mindset, you know, but it was also, it was an interesting experience because for the first time in my life, I felt like I had good friends around me that like really enjoyed my company. So that was a draw into <laughs> the uh, different crowds or whatever, but just like partying and going out to clubs and stuff when maybe I did a little bit of that before I had kids, but the whole time that up until that point, like I didn't go to bars or go to clubs or anything like that but I did start doing some of that and kind of get drawn into that lifestyle and just the whole mindset and um yeah that's what happened so how long did you kind of go down that route um it was fun for like a couple years and then uh it wasn't fun I was in the the, the relationship that I was in was pretty abusive it's not like the worst one that I've ever heard of but I've definitely got some stories that will probably put people's jaws on the ground and um, so I would say like around 2011 was when I really you know took a turn for the worse and um, probably about 2015 was when I started to try to turn it around so yeah, like there was a, a, a situation with the person that um, was abusive to me and that was really the first time that he had crossed a boundary as far as like abusing me in front of my children mm. and it was like really intense. Like he tried to burn my house down that day. He Whoa. did thousands of dollars worth of property damage in my house. He, I had a grand dam at that point in time. He stepped on the hood of my car and stomped my windshield in. When my kids and I were in the car and like, you know, we were just trying to get away and be safe until the police came. He had a brick, like, I don't know what stopped him from throwing the brick through the window, but it was really bad. So at that point in time, it was like, definitely like, we cannot do this anymore. So uh, I had called the police that day and we stayed in the domestic violence shelter for a couple months and just like got PPO and, uh, it was done. Like, I can't say that I never saw him again in my life because we did have a um, fairly healthy acquaintanceship for a while. He passed away recently, actually. Oh. But, um, you know, for, for several years, it was like no contact. And then um, eventually, like a lot of the good friends that I had, I had met through him. Good friends slash bad influences. Um, I had to step away from all that, too. So I, I would say that uh, throughout most of 2016 and then 
2017 was the year that I really pushed to make a big change in my life. Like I was a homeowner at that point and um, I had got the best job I'd ever had and I was going to make it. So that was my focus for 2017, my plans. It was also like a year that I learned that there's definitely a force uh, at, at work in this universe that's like way more important and stronger than me. So I learned a lot about God's sovereignty that year that I'm not really in charge of much because if I were, then I would have that house and I would have that job and be progressing on that path. And that's actually kind of where uh, the idea for Jubilee started. It's because when I, when I wanted to turn my life around, I tried on my own and then I realized like, I actually can't do this on my own. Like the, the nature of my mental and emotional issues was not really something that I was gonna be able to sort out on my own. So mm -hmm. I sought that support from different counselors and even like my church. I was admitted to CMH at one point in time. I don't know how far into those stories you wanna go, but we, we it can, was like- We can talk about anything you want. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> I was let down, I think a lot and betrayed by these systems. Like even previous to these experiences that I've had I um, probably would have said like, well, if you have addiction, that's okay. I'm not gonna judge you. If you want your life to be different, just go to rehab and get better. It mm. doesn't work like that no, at all. That you, it's really actually hard to get into rehab unless you're a billionaire or you know, have a, a good, lot more a resources. Good rehab. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, actually that's really important point is like a, a good rehab, which they mostly don't exist because mm -hmm. the way that we're dealing with these people is not effective. So. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, I really felt God speaking to me about the gaps and cracks because like I'm consider myself a pretty intelligent person and capable and I was like really de dedicated to making these changes and even making the connections that were necessary to, to, to make the changes. I remember at one point in time, I wrote a four page intervention and handed it to several people in leadership positions at this huge church I was attending and it was like really easy to get money from the church. Not that I tried to manipulate them, but you know, mm -hmm. when I'm at different points where like I can't make my bills or my car needs to be repaired and I know that the church is available, then I'm definitely gonna uh, utilize that resource. But when I went to them and say, these are the specific things that I need, this is the, the type of like real intervention that I need, otherwise my life is going to spontaneously combust. Um, they actually told me like, well, we'll be there for you once in a while, but no one's going to be there to hold your hand, Erica. And I heard that from church leadership and I just was like devastated. I was like, well, I actually handholding is what I need the most right mm -hmm. now. So you need some positive reinforcement, somebody to yep. kind of just be your friend and show you the ropes a little bit. Like, Hey, don't go down that way. Don't, don't, don't go down that route. Let's yeah, go this way. That's, that's definitely part of it. I might've needed like some more intensive help that wasn't like available or maybe they have like what I really think the one thing that sticks out in my mind as I was delivering pizzas and I had enough money to make my life work at that point in time. And I had, um, because we didn't talk about that part, but I, I did dabble in hard drugs for a couple years and I had given up the hard drugs, but I was still smoking like a lot of weed. What, what's considered hard drugs? To me, hard drugs is um, cocaine and heroin for the most part. And I think that the pills also fall into hard drugs. Okay. So, but at this point when I was like trying to do better, I was still like, not unapologetically, I wasn't impressed with my weed habit, but it really was like a coping mechanism and mm -hmm. it, it kept me from feeling suicidal a lot of the time. And just like, I couldn't sort out my life at all. So it just helped me like get up and get through the day of chaos that I didn't really like, there was just no way to win or no way to make progress at that point. And um, so, I had like a couple different jobs. I had a caregiving job and I had a job as a histotechnologist, which was actually utilizing my education. So I was excited about that. And um, what's a histotechnologist? Uh, histotechnologist studies histotechnology. Histology is the study of tissue. Okay. So what I did in the lab is uh, I worked in a dermatologist lab and I would pick the specimens up that he took off of people and do the process of, I would examine them, describe them so that the pathologist, you know, kind of knew what it looked like. They called it a gross examination. That sounds disgusting. It was like, it was pretty, it was gross, but it was also like pretty cool actually. Cause I got to paint, like there's certain ways that you're supposed to dye the stuff. So I was like, it was like art. 
Okay. So I was like dying and stuff, and then you know, of course, there's a good way and a technique involved, and I was pretty good at it actually, because uh, so I processed them until the point where they were like flat on a microscope slide that the pathologist could look at and oh, wow. and diagnose what this person was dealing with or whether maybe they weren't dealing with anything at all. So okay, that's what I did as a histotechnologist. Okay. But um. Back to the, the support that I, I really needed at that point is like I had enough money to make my life work, but I just didn't have the wherewithal to prioritize how to dig myself out of the holes I was in. Mm -hmm. So that was some of the help that I was really looking for from my church is for someone to hold my money and help me prioritize how to spend it. Because I just really realized at that point that I, I couldn't. I was delivering pizzas. I would make fifty to seventy-five dollars a night de delivering pizzas four days a week, on top of like the other jobs that I had. But what I did with the the pizza money is every single time, for the most part, is buy my kids a pizza, fill my gas, fill my gas tank up, and um, buy some weed so that I could make it through the next day. And I'm just like, uh -huh. we shouldn't. I shouldn't be buying. I shouldn't be spending money on weed, and I shouldn't be spending money on pizza. And mm -hmm. if I had like an accountability partner or someone available to hold that money for me and just be a barrier, mm -hmm. like I will figure out a way through. I'm not going to pester or beg this person. You know, I I just craved accountability so much, but it just was really unfortunate that. There was no accountability available. I asked several different people in my personal life and people in my church, and just wasn't wow. no. There was nobody willing and able to fill that role. So essentially, it's almost like you just needed like a mentorship program. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's kind of I I grew up in foster care, and uh, I was just recently going through all my documentation um, from the foster system, and they're talking about how my mom who she was trying to get us back for a short period of time but how she struggled with um like finding a place to live and she struggled with um like keeping a job and like uh finances and just like just various things kind of like what you were just talking about and if there was a system in play mm -hmm. you know then i think a lot of people could benefit from from things regardless of you know it's the foster system or uh the addiction programs or you know whatever yeah so. that's really unfortunate because if your mom was capable of caring for you i don't know if you had siblings yeah i did he's one yeah. of them oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> if, if your mom was capable of caring for you guys like she shouldn't have had to worry about putting food on the table or keeping a job because being a mm -hmm. parent especially when you're the only one is the full-time job absolutely and i just think it's a really disgrace that our society doesn't embrace that more because you know, you probably experienced it firsthand, like how much more functional and better would your life have been if you had been raised right. by your own parent? Exactly. And your own parent had just had, you know, if she was sober and making wise choices as far as those things go, like how much better would our whole society be if our kids could be raised by their own parents with the appropriate support right. instead of like taken away from them? It's just... And I also think that people become a product of their environment and like, like for my mom, for instance, you know, she had us young. Um, she had my brother, my older brother, um, when she was, I believe, 16. And so she was still in high school. So she, does, she doesn't have life figured out at all. And then she had me the year, a year later. And then she just kind of got into a, a pattern of meeting these bad guys. And just you kind of become, uh, you, you, you surround yourself around the people, around people who, um, you know, they, they make, I don't know how to say it, but, you know, they, they, they affect your life and the course that you're going to go down. So, um, anyways, back to... Yeah, that's absolutely something that I learned, just, like, going through the things I did, like, after I was able to look back on my life and gain some perspective, it's like, wow, I used to be all about homeschooling my kids and reading to them, and now I want to go out and do these other nefarious things. And, like, how did this happen? Like, we really are, whether we want to admit it or not, as human beings... Like, we're very social and we're very impacted by the people that we let influence us. Mm -hmm. So, and that's usually the people that we spend the time around and um, right. look up to and that sort of thing. So, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing once you get some perspective to look back on that and see how that happens. And, and then the sad part is, like, when you, even when I realized that, like, the positive people just weren't available for me to 
latch onto, if you will. Like, mm -hmm. I want some positive people to influence me and make me think right. differently, but they're just, they're busy or wrapped up in their own worlds and they don't understand the importance of like mentoring right. or, you know, that sort of thing, so. Well, yeah. I mean, and if there's no system in play to help help people, then again, how are they supposed to know how exactly they're supposed to help other people, you know? So that's where Jubilee comes in. <laughs> that is where Jubilee comes in because I do feel like I've learned a lot about the, the ways that we can make a difference and really transform our whole community. It seems like such a big task to take on. I mean, there's so many different things that you would have to do. And I mean, like you would, you had said all the things you needed in your life where you needed like somebody to take your money and just kind of give you the financial support. Um, you needed the mentorship, you needed guidance, you need therapy. Like, I mean, there's so many different things. How do you plan on tackling that? With Jubilee, our first plan of action is to obtain some properties that will be designated for subsidized for people that um, qualify for a rent subsidy which is for the most part probably going to be section 8 and in Lansing if you qualify for section 8 that means like at this point 98% of the time you were uh, recently homeless and and recently in the homeless shelter and therefore at risk for chronic homelessness so that's the people that we're identifying to help first and then uh, once they're in our properties um, we're going to connect them with community partners and resources that they won't have to pay for um, like Peckham, stuff like that? Um, possibly like Peckham. I'm thinking more like substance abuse. I have a friend that uh, runs a re-entry resource program for people that were like um, incarcerated. Mm. And just like things like that, like uh, legal services, like financial services, even like artistic and entrepreneurial support. So these are the, the sort of community partners that we already have in mm -hmm. place or we're working on building. Um, a lot of them are already in place. So with our tenants, we um, plan to, it's gonna be written in their lease that there's gonna be like a monthly, a monthly inspection slash, like I'm still thinking of the best word, meeting. It's mostly gonna be for relationship building and just kind of like assessing their needs and um, I hope to be that positive influence through a relationship that I was mm -hmm. really looking for, even even if they don't need or want any resources, because I'm not gonna push anything on people, you know. So, right. even if they don't want that, I just want to start to build a relationship so that they know that I'm like someone that they can trust and that they can reach out to, and that my share my story with and let them know like the goal here is not to get money for you or kick you out when you're you know struggling like um, I've had different times in my life where I had a really hard time keeping my house clean and so if that becomes a problem and I will even let them know on the first time like if that's a problem I'm not gonna kick you out like that's mm -hmm. not gonna be my first step my first step is gonna understand that you know most people want to live in a clean and sanitary right. situation so what is going wrong here and how can we help you get this cleaned up and how can we help you resolve that problem so I'm working on a partnership with a, a lady that does, she has like an organizing company so oh, cool. and it's actually one of her goals that um she wants to help people for free so oh wow it's going to be a great partnership i think when we come up against that which inevitably like that's going to happen right so now with the the unfortunate thing about like helping a lot of the homeless and the underprivileged people in in our, like communities like ours or anywhere really um, is drug drug use and how what's your plan on keeping that out of out of it because I'm assuming you don't want people living in the section 8 housing or whatever and um, using using drugs while they're there I would definitely prefer that they don't but even more important than that like I think that first of all I think that all drug use should be decriminalized I don't really think that I don't know if I feel the same way about distribution because that's like more overt and nefarious from my perspective. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think like, I know a lot of addicts and out of the hundreds of addicts that I've talked to, I would say that maybe two of them were not traumatized as children. So when we're punishing addicts, what we're really punishing is people that were abused and traumatized as children, but haven't figured out how to heal from that yet. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I will be too focused on um, 
whether they're actually using as more, I would be much more focused on putting positive, like what are your interests? Are you into art? Okay, then I have somebody that's gonna help you develop your art. Are you into music? Then mm -hmm. I have somebody that's going to help you learn that. And um, so, do you have a, an idea for a business? Like let's find some, some entrepreneur uh, support for you and get that off the ground. Cause you can believe in people. Uh, I think that when it becomes a problem is when there's abuse and violence and that sort of thing happening and that mm -hmm. will be problematic if I'm like aware of that then definitely they will have to take action against that but the actual using like yeah I would definitely prefer it but I am also definitely not the police <laughs> right. so. okay um, yeah I mean the, the thing is too is alcohol's a drug and it's completely legal so food is a drug. Food people. is a drug. <laughs> food is a drug. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely addicted to food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you obviously you're you're obviously launching it. It's in the works right now. What's your timeline to have it fully launched? Um, what what what's in the process right now? What's in the process right now is we're planning our event annual event. It's called When September Ends, and that's kind of the major focus right now. So. What we'll be doing for that is celebrating one family that's uh, a local family from Lansing that's recently overcome homelessness. So they will have been in the uh, city rescue mission. By the time we do this event, they'll be in their housing. And um, we'll just kind of like ball out as a community, think of it as like a, a super duper housewarming party for them <laughs> and let them know that they're loved by the community. So that's. What we're working on is this, um, a, is this a family you you guys helped out You're, it's i haven't connected with them yet actually okay. i'm going to make a call to my friend that's a caseworker at the city rescue mission next week okay so she's you know aware to be she probably knows who she's going to pick for it so and the the specifications are like they have to have kids because i this is a whole nother rabbit hole, but when I was at let's the... Let's go down it. Okay, let's go down it. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at the city rescue mission, because I did stay there, I've stayed at the domestic violence shelter, and I've also stayed at the city rescue mission. So when I was at the city rescue mission, um, I noticed that, uh, you know, like with my kids, I had made it a priority, even though it was a struggle sometimes, to get them to community events and, like, to the Wharton Center, and they rode horses, and they had music lessons, and these sorts of things but uh we got some wharton center tickets donated and uh, my roommate was supposed to go with me but she didn't go and she just like scoffed at it and there was like other things there like people in these situations when survival is your priority you're mm -hmm. not really thinking about the wharton center or what sort right. of community events you can get your kids out to so mm -hmm. um one thing that i hope to do with jubilee is definitely like intentionally get underprivileged kids, um, disadvantaged community members out to community events to see what's available in the community because you hear so many times and it's usually from um, like disadvantaged people, there's nothing to do in Lansing and my jaw just drops. Like I have friends putting on events every day of the week. I'm wow. overwhelmed with things to do in Lansing. That's just not true. So mm -hmm. um, just to open their eyes up to like the different sorts of things and experiences that you can experience just in Lansing. So. I think right. it's important for those of us that are in the position to do so to intentionally make the effort to get, especially the kids, mm -hmm. because it's not their fault. You know, I'm not even going to say that it's their parents' fault necessarily that they're in certain situations, but it's definitely not the kids' fault. And I just think it's really unfortunate that they're suffering and not aware of uh, these sorts of opportunities that are out there. So I um. I grew well before we went into foster care. Uh, I was homeless. We were ho we were all homeless actually, and uh, every, we we were staying at a hotel downtown Lansing that we were put in through the Red Cross, and uh, we didn't have any food. My mom didn't have a job or anything, and th that was the reason why we went into foster care. But um, every single night we would have to go to the homeless shelter and eat dinner. And I, I talk about it in the podcast in another episode. Is I, I remember standing in line, like looking around at all these people who obvious, obviously look homeless. And I'm like, man, these people are homeless. <laughs> I didn't think we were homeless. Right. But um, yeah, definitely uh, like Warren Center things or just events going on. Th that doesn't cross your mind when you're, when you're you, like you said, survival is a, is a factor in your, in your life. Mm -hmm. um, 
So what kind of uh, programs do you plan on providing for them? At the event? Or? Uh, you could, because you said that, uh, uh, you know, like Warren Center events aren't, aren't necessarily a, a priority to these, these kids yeah. and you want to get them kind of involved in the community. What kind of events are you, and you said that there's events going on daily. What kind of events are going on? Just like art fairs, met festivals, like there's all sorts of things like myself as an individual and also the people that are on my board. And um, since I've been talking about Jubilee more frequently over the last year as like something that I'm serious about, like mm -hmm. as an organization, we've been building relationships and um, hopefully awareness that these needs exist. So. Uh, in the potential of like it's all going to be through relationships and hopefully donations but like there's people that could donate music lessons horseback riding lessons um in in you know professional music lessons not mm -hmm. sometimes i've seen like uh neighborhood community centers like make an effort and you know you get like a piano teacher in there that maybe just finished their second course of piano and they don't really know how to teach or and they don't know that much about piano so it's right. nice that the kids get an opportunity to pound on a piano but they're not really learning much like that's not really an enriching like that's not right. what I'm talking about what I'm talking about is noticing that a kid's serious about music and having a partner that's also serious about music like the sorts of lessons that cost a hundred dollars an hour could you donate six of these Mm -hmm. And then my hope would be that, you know, maybe since the kid's serious about music, that a relationship would develop and that they would work out a partnership that was like somehow right. affordable. Maybe Jubilee could step in and um, pay for some of it as an organization if we have the funds available, if they were discounted. Right. So it's, okay. it's all going to be like a, a connecting of the need with the resources available in our network which are hard to pin down until we understand the need and the resources. But I see the potential and um, other people are starting to understand and get excited about it also. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you to offer any services. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> who, can they contact you directly? How do they get a hold of you? They email you? Yeah, I, I definitely like even could do that now. We don't have tenants currently because mm -hmm. like I, I literally just got the paperwork back last week. <laughs> right. So we're going to start fundraising for properties, but there are still, like, I know a lot of people that could benefit from the services. If um, there were people that were willing to mm -hmm. donate that sort of thing, absolutely, I will connect them. I, see, I was thinking, like, um, even, um, like, these local neighborhoods have these gardening, like, these gardening areas. I've never been a part of it, but I think they're pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like, even if somehow kids could get involved in that, it kind of... Mm -hmm kind of teach them how to you know grow their own food and whatnot yes that would be teach awesome them, teach them some independence a little bit it'd be cool I too i think actually gardening is like really for myself because i have a community garden it's really important for my relationship with food to understand Absolutely. that food doesn't really it's not healthy for us to think that food is easily accessible at the grocery store because right. we spend our little ducats on it <laughs> like it's important i think to our psyche and our souls to understand that food comes from effort Mm -hmm. So I definitely agree with you there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I guess you're still in search of other people helping or offering their services to you. Um, I had a question. I don't remember what it was now. Um, so what's your time frame on having this fully launched? Uh, I prefer aspirations as opposed to goals. So there's okay. really not a time frame. It's kind of more like a process and a step building just again, like personally, I've put like most of my effort into this and also like I don't have a real job right now. So the resources will not be coming from my pocketbook. They will come from like people that understand and support the idea. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's really hard to put a time frame on that. So uh, what we're focused on right now is like our event. And this is the fifth time that I've coordinated this event, the second time with a team. So it's not just my project now. So you, you have a team? Yes. How many people are on your team? Currently, there are three other people on the team. Okay. And we're looking to add to that. If anyone that's listening has anything <laughs> that they would like to contribute to the team, there's several open board positions. What exactly are you looking for? 
Um, or who? what type of individuals are you looking for? So what I'm looking for the most is people that are willing to engage their networks to make it a bigger thing. Mm -hmm. So um, like for instance with our event, what would really be helpful is people that would reach out to local vendors, performers, uh, people that do like exhibiting uh, either artwork or resource tables, like anybody that would want to be a part of the event. Because I. I definitely know enough people to put on a great event, but that's not really the point. The point is to mm -hmm. engage our network and uh, build relationship with the community and stretch it out to maybe one day, you never know, like somebody could come to our event to be a vendor and then they could invite their rich uncle to come support them at the event. And then right. while they're listening to someone talk about our project, the rich uncle could be like, hey, I've got a property that I want to donate. Right. So that's the kind of like, I wanted to have a broader reach and not necessarily just through like social media or flyers or that sort of thing, but mm -hmm. by um, connections. So somebody that would be willing to engage their network and uh, support for in, like the project that we're working on right now is this event. So mm -hmm. invite people to the event, like actively personal messages, phone calls, visits, that sort of thing, because those are like what's really most effective. So okay. that's primarily what I'm looking for. It would be awesome if we could find like a realtor, somebody that's experienced in obtaining properties, and also like a contractor, somebody that's experienced in like um, making repairs and that sort of thing as far as like specific board positions. But okay. overall, people that are, are willing to engage enthusiastically their networks and have the time and uh, capacity to be dependable and, you know, make an effort. Absolutely. So. Now, this event is called When September Ends. Yeah. And when is it? It's in September. It's at the end of <laughs> September. When September ends. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what, what's the dates? Saturday, September 25th. Okay, and what are the events that, is it just, just you guys putting on the event, or yes. is it like a festival? What kind of event is it? It's going to be... And where is it located? So it's going to be at the Fledge on the east side um, in Lansing. It's pretty close to Sparrow Hospital. Okay. The plan is to shut down the street and have vendors and performances in the street, so wow. it'll just be kind of like a, a, a great housewarming party for this family overall, and also like an opportunity for... Um, people to connect and meet new people and mm -hmm. uh you know like how these events usually go they're usually pretty great so yeah it's just a lot of fun street, a lot of fun. street games yes yeah. games uh yeah Concerts. we're gonna have different events for the kids there's like gonna be an open mic for kids from two to four that day cool. and um different vendors activities performances all that stuff are you having local artists like Absolutely. musicians and mm -hmm like pa painters and absolutely awesome my friend Christina she's gonna do live art she's uh made a breakthrough on the Lansing art scene her name is Christina Castilla she does some amazing work and she's gonna do live art for us and uh, there's other artists coming to like sell their art and exhibit and that sort of thing and the fledge is basically like one huge art exhibit anyways so right yeah, there will definitely be lots of art there. I have to tell my wife about that. My mo my wife's an artist. Oh my, uh, maybe she wants to come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll mention it and see see Absolutely. what she has going on. Um, yeah, she uh she she's a big painter. Um, although she doesn't do it as much as she would like, she complains about that all the time. Um, Real life does get in the way of that. <laughs> Absolutely, especially when you have kids. Mm -hmm. yeah, obviously, you know. Um, so. You said that you don't have a, full, a real full-time job or anything, but obviously I'm sure this is a full-time job in itself. Yes. And building the relationships has been a full-time. I've done like a lot of volunteering and also like I knew I wasn't going back to school to learn about nonprofits, so <laughs> I'm not going back to school. So it was like all on the job and like presenting myself as a willing, enthusiastic volunteer and building relationships and uh, creating opportunities to learn about nonprofit and I'm actually the, um, so I do have like one paid job. I don't get paid very much for it. I won't say the amount, but uh, it's important to me that, you know, it sounds like an official job. I'm the copy editor for um, an organization called Coggle, okay. Christians of Greater Lansing. So I write okay. for them and uh, keep a blog and that sort of thing. And it, it's it's a nice little stipend each month, but it's, it's not like, you know, gonna pay my bills or anything mm -hmm. but um, I do put a lot of uh, energy into that organization and the work that they do 
and I've learned a lot through uh, relationships that I've built there. What kind of work is it? Is it you said you're an author? You're, yeah. You write. So is it a newspaper? Is what is it? I write an online uh, newsletter for them. Okay. And in conjunction with that, I started a blog because like I wanted to start doing highlights in it to to start highlighting believers in the area because I'm not aware of any other organization or publication that does this. So I wanted to highlight like how people's relationship with God and their experience with their faith like influences the projects and the work that they do, mm-hmm. whether it's art, ministry, or anything like that, actually. So um, you can't put all that stuff in a newsletter because nobody's going to, people right. are going to be like, oh my gosh, and they're just going to stop reading. <laughs> so um, I started my blog. So now it's like, you know, they can go in our newsletter and then click on get to know such and such better. And then they'll go to my blog where it's like a longer, um, you know, right. description of so like you, the... you interview these people? I do. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost like a podcast. It's very similar. Um, <laughs> I have some people that you might be interested in interviewing for that. So it, you interview believers just, just, to, just to get their perspective on God and, and life and how it all plays. Yeah, kind of just like them. the short version of their testimony and... Okay. Uh, a lot of times people like if they're a believer that feeds into the work that they're doing and Mm -hmm. I I like to focus on that like I just really get excited about that sort of thing so okay so how does how does that play into Jubilee well um it plays into Jubilee (laughs) quite a bit because the relationships that I've made like one person I interviewed is on my board um and I hadn't, I didn't know him before that, you know, I will reach out periodically to different people and say, do you know anybody that wants to do this? And that's how I got connected with one person that's on my board and a couple of the performers. And um, also, I think that you have uh, interviewed Jared before. And yeah. well, I wrote, a, I did write a blog, blog article about Jared, but that was, that was kind of like, the opposite like I have shout out to sleep in heavenly peace yes definitely they're amazing I was going to actually talk to you about them yeah they do great work I'm I'm not a a part of the core team but I volunteered with them in different capacities for the last couple years so okay yep and they um I don't think it actually went through but to the family that we celebrated last year they were definitely willing to donate beds for the whole whole family I don't think that at the end of the day I think the family like I don't know it was weird they didn't want them they didn't want the beds i don't know exactly what happened <laughs> did they have beds i don't think so but like i said no. it was weird that but. was weird um yeah because i was i was reading that thing you had sent me about jubilee and i had read that there was a whole family that um ha- had received a bunch of beds mm-hmm. and i was like oh i wonder if they're doing work with sleep and heavenly peace absolutely so was that them yes awesome Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, Jared is a great guy. I love that guy. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, um, so y- you're using this uh, blog to ne- kind of network a little bit as well, right? Yeah, it serves many purposes, actually. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, is there anything else you want to talk about Jubilee? I mean, obviously, you're looking for more board members. Um, you're uh, in the works of launching it (laughs) yes uh that would be great there's uh for our event there's still like um not a whole lot of space left for local performers but definitely a little bit of space for some performers and a whole lot of space for vendors if anybody's got you know pretty much anything that's family appropriate okay um it's definitely a a family event so Mm -hmm. all the music will be we call it positive and inspirational so we're not objectifying anyone or encouraging any graphic depictions of sex or violence or any of that stuff because there will be kids there throughout. So I have, I have a recommendation for music if you're interested. I, I don't want to mention it on the podcast. Absolutely, but I'm interested. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll. Uh, yeah, I have somebody I want to recommend who's appropriate and whatnot, but I'll uh, talk about that later. <laughs> Okie dokie. I got it. Um. Okay. So. I guess. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about? I think that was a lot, actually. That, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a lot to take in. I'm trying to like think of questions about Jubilee, but I don't. It, it, it just it seems amazing that um, somebody's willing to take on so much to be able to help help people. Because 
like you had said, there's not that many resources available. I mean, there are a lot of resources, but what, knowing how to use them exactly uh, is the problem. You know, yeah. people uh, like like for instance, my mom had had resources, but she didn't know how to how to handle it. Like um, one of the resources she had was um, like parenting uh, classes and whatnot, but it didn't really help her any. She didn't, I don't think, knew how to apply that to her life and no. how to parent. So like if she were to have somebody, you know, if she went to these parenting classes and then had somebody alongside her and be like, hey, probably shouldn't do that. This is how you apply that. It probably yeah. would have had a more of a, a greater effect on on her outcome. The problem with the parenting classes and whatnot is like they might present a lot of good information, but that's not really, unless someone is really inspired and committed to learn that way, that's not an effective way to teach humans the mm -hmm. other thing. We learn through significant relationships. So if we want people to learn how to be better parents, by those of us that, are, that feel like we are good parents, it's gonna require a lot of effort and going into their homes and building relationships and understanding like even it go, it's even harder than that even just being in the homes like you have to understand that people are going to learn through you and it's going to take a long time mm -hmm. they're not just going to like take your advice right, right away and you're going right. to see a difference tomorrow it's like contending with people and being patient with them so right. that's what it's really going to take to make things better for all of us because you know like let's be real realistic when we get these kids out of poverty in certain mindsets there's going to be less crime mm -hmm. and if we don't put the effort into that there's going to be more crime exactly and that's just how it goes so I, I always tell or I always mention how if I didn't go into foster care um, even though it wasn't I didn't necessarily have a great life in foster care but um, if I didn't go into foster care I'd probably be in jail or I would have had a kid at a very young age and my brother Michael he probably would have been in jail because he at the age of like seven or eight had broken into a vehicle and had been kind of in trouble with the law a little bit so you know we probably wouldn't have been down a great path but if we had I guess better parenting or you know maybe my if, if my mom had or my parents had uh you know somebody to kind of take take their hand and be like hey you know this is how you should parent or this mm -hmm. is how you should discipline or whatever, then maybe we wouldn't have ended up in that position. Yep. And, and you can just stretch that out across like all the organizations that are trying to do good work. Like the good work that they're doing is just like, is impeded by so much bureaucracy and red tape. Like everything gets caught up in there. The money that we spend on these agencies and mm -hmm. organizations that are supposed to be helping, like they're just, my perspective is skewed as a consumer that didn't have great luck with these things, but it's just right. wasted. Now, um, you're, you're doing work with homeless in, in the rescue mission in Lansing. Are you doing work with like local, um, like foster care agencies or anything like that? I haven't done any work with that yet. No? That's a, you should a, look an into interesting that. path to go down. Yes. You should look into that. It might be a real, one thing, one thing that's real difficult about the foster, I, I'm discovering this as I'm trying to like get people to come on for the podcast to interview with the foster care system and whatnot. It's real, it's like their, their system is real enclosed. They don't really want outside people coming in. They don't want people to interview their, their social workers. They don't want to talk about anything. So it might be yeah. a difficult program or different, difficult system to try to get into. It but. is. I've had, um, five CPS investigations actually. My kids have never been removed as a result of the, I like to say that for the incident that I described to you where my ex um, tried to burn down my house and stuff, like I got in more trouble than he did because wow. he was off of probation and I was still dealing with CPS. Wow. And that's really the only thing that happened that day is I called CPS on myself. And, um, wow. I don't, I don't. And you were trying to get out of there. I was. And like, even when CPS came and tried to help me and I had to deal with them for six months, like as an individual that's struggling, I know very much mm -hmm. what I need help with. Do you think those are the things that they helped me with? No. No, no. not at all. They it, want to micromanage your life probably. They did. And like just the ideas they had were absurd. And it's <laughs> in so many ways, it's, it's just like such a messed up program. Absolutely. And yeah, it's just, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Yes. 
Um, okay, I guess, is there anything else? Anything else you want to mention? Any other events coming up in the near future that you might possibly foresee? Uh, I just want to give a shout out to The Fledge. The Fledge is an amazing place. If you have any idea for an event, project, or business you'd like to start, there's like so much support there. Definitely what, just pop in. What is The Fledge? The Fledge. I don't really know what it is. You don't know what The Fledge I don't, is. I don't. The Fledge is hard to describe because the proprietors of The Fledge, Jerry and Shannon Norris, are not very good at saying no. So if you ask them, <laughs> I have this wild idea, they're going to say yes. So that means that every person that comes changes the dynamic. So it's really kind of like hard to really describe what it is. But I will give it a shot. It's a uh, community center for sure. There's like food distribution that goes on there pretty much 24-7. They move so much food through there, free food. So if anybody needs food, that's where you go. It's at 1300 okay. Eureka Street, right behind the Ronald McDonald House okay. on the east side. Yep. And um, there's also like Jerry has start started and uh successfully managed like countless company like global companies like he's wow. a very successful tech guy i don't know about all that stuff like <laughs> i don't even i'm not using the the right words but I, it's just remarkable that he has like at this point in his life put his focus he could make a lot of money is what i'm trying to say mm -hmm. but instead what he's trying to do is build a better community by um giving other people opportunities to you know lift up out of poverty that's like their main focus so okay. um there's a lot of entrepreneurial support there that's actually how i got connected with a program through leap that um is what actually like launched me to the resources necessary to fill out the paperwork so and is leap through through them because i've heard of leap leap is a, t a different entity but there's like lots okay. of partnerships going on okay. so through the fledge i got connected with leap in a couple different ways and was recently accepted into their and finished their one and all program which is an entrepreneurial program for uh people that are below below the alice threshold so folk mm -hmm. folks basically <laughs> <laughs> yep well that's very cool mm -hmm. um well it's been a pleasure having you on uh it's amazing what you're doing and it's a huge undertaking for sure. Um, I couldn't imagine having to be responsible for helping so many people, but I'm glad that somebody is willing to take that on and to make a better community for the rest of us. Thank you. I Not for the rest of us, for them, for everybody else. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you again. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. All right. It's been great. Mm -hmm.